0: Hello, and welcome to The Budget Mouse, a podcast about how to have an incredible Walt Disney World vacation, even if you're on a shoestring budget. This week, I'll share my top five tactics for never waiting in line at Disney World. Plus, I'll answer a reader question about handling room charges when traveling with a large group. Welcome again, everyone, to episode nine. I'm Leah, the blogger behind The Budget Mouse and The Frugal South. I visit Disney World several times each year and I'm not rich. I just have tons of tricks for doing Disney on the cheap. I want you to have the incredible vacation you deserve. So I'm sharing all of my tricks with you on my sites and here in the podcast. This week's show is about avoiding long waits for attractions at Disney World. So let's dive in. Like many of you, I am not a fan of waiting in line at Walt Disney World. I'd much rather be on an attraction or eating instead of standing around waiting in a queue. So you've spent your hard-earned money on a Disney vacation, so you want to spend as little time as possible waiting. Like Time is money at Disney World, people. So I don't want you to waste it waiting if it can be avoided. So personally, I rarely wait more than 10 minutes for any attraction. I'll walk you through my five steps for avoiding long waits while still seeing and doing most of what you want. Now, I say most because avoiding long waits at Disney World sometimes means skipping an attraction because it has a ridiculous long wait and you don't have a fast pass for it or you just didn't get there early enough. So, while I generally can do and see everything I want without waiting, there are times where I've had to just pass on an attraction. So, it does require some level of flexibility. If you're rigid and it will ruin your vacation if you can't see or do one thing then this might not be the approach for you but if you have some level of flexibility and you're willing to do these steps that i'm telling you about you really can go to disney world and not wait in lines so i need to also say one other caveat here disney has attempted to disperse crowds throughout the year and throughout the parks in order to help people avoid long waits and crowds The fast pass system is entirely that, an attempt to disperse crowds and waits throughout the day. And Disney's discounts that they offer on hotel rooms and packages are also an attempt to disperse visitors throughout the year. So some people would say, Disney has done a really good job of this and that it is hard to find times of year when the parks are less crowded than other times. I kind of disagree with that. I think Disney has done a good job. There used to be times, say 10 years ago, where there were certain weeks of the year you could go and ex- and experience extremely low crowd levels that is gone (laughs) okay the disney has done a good job of dispersing crowds but there are still times of the year where it will be less crowded you know the first week in february is never going to be as crowded as july 4th weekend it's just never going to be that way so you know some of my advice is to go during less crowded times of year but just keep in mind that If you've been to Disney in the past, say 10 or 15 years ago, you're probably not gonna see the kind of low crowds that you once saw at that time. So my first tactic is to use a crowd calendar. So like I said, even with Disney's attempts to spread crowds out, there are still certain theme parks that are more crowded on certain days of the week and days of the year than other theme parks. So I'm talking about the four theme parks at Walt Disney World, Magic Kingdom, Epcot, Animal Kingdom, and Hollywood Studios. Now, a lot of people arrive at Walt Disney World on Friday evenings or Sunday evenings to to start their vacation, and many people want to go to Magic Kingdom as their first park of their vacation for nostalgic reasons or just because it's where their kids really want to go. For that reason, Saturdays and Mondays are the most crowded days of the week at Magic Kingdom, which is also the most crowded park. So for that reason, I avoid Saturdays and Mondays of the Magic Kingdom like the plague. I have made the mistake. I have gone there on a Saturday afternoon before. So what was I thinking? This is insane. (laughs) There's so many people here. So that's a good place to start. Now, holidays are going to be the most crowded at Magic Kingdom and Epcot as well. And the holidays, I'm talking about the big ones, July 4th, Christmas, New Year's Eve. Those are the biggie parks and people, there's the most going on there and people want to be there where all the action is on those holidays. So if you're visiting during that time, you can dodge a lot of crowds by just not going to those parks on the holiday days. So Christmas Eve, Christmas, New Year's Eve, 4th of July. So my husband and I have been at Disney World on Christmas Day one time. It happens to be my birthday. So it was a special treat for me to be there on my birthday. We went to Animal Kingdom Park on Christmas Day. And Really, it was empty. It was the least crowded I've ever seen a park at Disney World. Now, this is in the most crowded time of year, but just by going to the less crowded theme park, even during a crowded time of year, we were able to avoid a lot of the madness of visiting Disney in the holidays. So, I did that at the suggestion of a crowd calendar. The crowd calendar that I use is from Undercover Tourist. You can find a link to Undercover Tourist on the resources page at the budget mouse. And they will suggest certain parks on certain days. You can look up, you know, November 2018, the 17th of November, which is the most recommended park to go to on that day. Now, some of their recommendations are based on if there's extra magic hours at a park or not. So this one you have to be kind of take with a grain of salt. So extra magic hours are a great way to avoid crowds at the parks. However, the park that has extra magic hours that day is going to be more crowded over the whole day at the park. So while you will have fewer people during the extra magic hour time, and I just need to explain what that is in case people aren't familiar, extra magic hours happen in the morning or evening, at at least one Disney park every day. It's where if you're staying at a Disney resort, you can get into the park either an hour early or stay two hours late. And it's only open to folks staying at a Disney resort. So you have to be careful with them. Um, I personally love morning extra magic hours because they're really empty. I mean, people generally don't want to get to the parks early. And getting there an extra hour early is really uh, offensive to a lot of people. So you can have a good time and do a lot of attractions in that first hour if you're willing to wake up early. However, later in the afternoon, that park is going to be insane because people say extra magic hours. Oh, let's go because we could get there early and then they don't, but they still go to that park because all their plans are (laughs) based around being at that park that day. So if you have a park hopper ticket and you can take advantage of early morning extra magic hours and then go to a different park in the afternoon that's brilliant or if you're planning on leaving the park after lunch which is what we often do we'll get there as soon as it opens even early for extra magic hours stay through till past lunch to maybe one or two and then we leave and go back to our hotel swim in the pool and then we'll go out to dinner at maybe another resort and may or may not come back to the theme park in the evening. So if that applies to you, again, go to the park with extra magic hours, even if it's not recommended as the park to visit that day in a crowd calendar, know that that's just generally the the pattern of crowds at the parks. So my second tactic, I've already mentioned it, get to the parks early. Now, I know a lot of people want to sleep in on vacation, so this may not be for you, but because a lot of people like to sleep in on vacation, there's fewer people at the parks. I would say at 10 o'clock, the majority of people don't get to the parks until 10 a.m. I mean, it takes a long time to get going in the morning, especially if you've been up for fireworks the night before. People tend to drag and don't get there until, you know, I'd say around 10 o'clock. That's usually the peak time for lines like getting into the park, getting through the gates and through bag check is going to be around 10 a.m. So, If you can get to the parks early, you will experience significantly less, lower weights at attractions. I want to mention some special things about park opening, particularly at the Magic Kingdom. So now, as of last year, 2017, all of Main Street USA at the Magic Kingdom opens an hour before the official park opening. Now, I say all, but that's not true. Um, the meat, character meet and greet some in Main Street USA are not open you know, the barbershop shop is not open, but most of the gift shops and the bakery are all open an hour before whatever time it officially says that the Magic Kingdom opens. So you can shop and eat breakfast before rope drop. Um, I suggest arriving at least 30 minutes before the official opening time at the Magic Kingdom. You also want to get a spot to see the stage show that's in front of the castle, which starts about five minutes before park opens. has a ton of characters. It's fun, but can we shed a silent tear for the former park opening show at the train station, which I just loved. I'm not going to torture you with my version of the song, but it was so great Um, and I miss it greatly. But the new show is pretty fun and I love that you can get into Main Street USA before the park opens. It just makes the whole opening procedure less chaotic and less like, you know, the running of the bulls with people trampling each other. So at the other parks, I know recently at Epcot, they have allowed people into the park before the official park opening. I've been there a few times in the last year before the park opens, and generally 15 or 20 minutes before the official time, they start letting people in, which is wonderful because it allows you to get probably an extra attraction before most people even think that you can get into the park. Now, I can't speak to the procedure at Animal Kingdom and Hollywood Studios because I haven't been there for park opening in years. But I know there are cast members walking around outside of Hollywood Studios before the official park opening time helping people sign their kids up for Jedi Training Academy. So someone asked in the Budget Mouse Facebook group about making sure they could get their kids signed up for the Jedi Training Academy and other people chimed in, oh, you could do it before the park opens when you're waiting to get into the park. And also if you have a pre-park opening breakfast reservation, I think at Hollywood and Vine, you could also sign up for Jedi Training Academy there at the restaurant. So that is good to know. So my third step for avoiding long waits is to take full advantage of the FastPass system. Now I've done a whole show on FastPass, it's episode two, so if you'd like to go back and listen to that, I go in depth about taking advantage of FastPass. There's also a post on the budget mouse that is very thorough about taking advantage of FastPass, and you can get a free cheat sheet, that printable cheat sheet for figuring out which attractions you want to FastPass. So head over there if you have questions about FastPass. But I do wanna address one issue, something that came up after the show and um, over on the blog, people asking questions about, when should I use my FastPasses? Should I use them later on in the morning? Should I wait until the afternoon to use my fast passes? They were saying, you know, there's mixed information out there. Some people say you have to use them in the morning. Some people say in the afternoon. So this is my opinion. It really depends on how long you're staying at the park and which park you are going to that day. So if you are going to leave the park in the early afternoon to take a break in the middle of the day, which I highly recommend doing, especially in the heat of the summer, I say use your fast passes in the later morning. I would never schedule a fast pass before 10 a.m., but if you can schedule one at 10, and 11, and noon, that gives you up until 1 p.m. because you can use the fast pass for an hour window um, to take advantage of your fast passes, and then you can leave the park, or maybe even a little later to leave time in there to eat lunch, so you're not missing a fast pass because you're stuck eating lunch. Now, if you're staying all day at a park then I would say use them in the afternoon. Then you can take full advantage of those morning hours without needing a fast pass to do anything and everything you can before lunch. Now, the exception to this would be the Magic Kingdom. The reason is there are so many attractions that you can fast pass at the Magic Kingdom. And the fact that after you've used your first three, you can get a fourth and a fifth and a sixth, though only one at a time after you use them. I might be more likely to say use your Magic Kingdom Fast Passes later in the morning, thereby using them up faster and being able to get access to more later in the afternoon after you've used your first three. Now this only applies not during peak times. During peak times, the Fast Passes will be gone for anything you really wanna see and do by that time in the afternoon. But if you're not visiting in the summer months or during a holiday, i'd suggest using them in the morning you can get more and more i think i've gotten up to seven six or seven fast passes at the magic kingdom um, using that strategy i had used all of mine by one o'clock and i just kept using more and more and more because there were ones available this was during an off time of year to visit i think it was the end of september so that is my general those are generally my thoughts on the fast pass question okay step number four I've already mentioned is to take your vacation during off peak times. So I've also done an episode about my most recommended times to visit Walt Disney World that are the cheapest times to visit and have the best kind of weather and crowds. So that's an episode seven. You can go back and give that one a listen. To summarize here, I'd say January and February, it, with the exception of the holidays, that's President's Day and Martin Luther King and the Marathon Weekend are great times to visit for low crowds the whole month of September and after Thanksgiving to about the beginning of the second week in December is another great time to visit to kind of avoid general overall crowds Now, the last thing that I want to recommend for dodging crowds is to use something called the rider switch now I've never personally done this I often visited the parks by myself when I was with my daughter, when she was too small to ride a lot of rides, but this is the wording from the Disney website about rider switch. If a child does not meet the height requirement, of an attraction, or a guest does not wish to board a particular attraction, no problem. With Rider Switch, one adult can wait with the non rider or riders while the rest of the party enjoys the attraction. When the other adult returns, they can supervise the non riding guests, and the waiting adult can board the attraction without having to wait in the regular line again. So I know a lot of people use this with much success to avoid weights and even use it as a way to get more fast passes. So let me explain this. These are the steps Disney says that you go through to use Rider Switch. But I'm going to add in some thoughts here, which are kind of not the official line, but that definitely work here. So to use Rider Switch, number one, first check with a cast member to see if Rider Switch is offered at the attraction in question. So you can find a list of all the attractions that you can use Rider Switch at on the Disney World website. Just kind of Google Disney World Rider Switch and that will take you to the site and it will list all of the attractions. So once you're at the attraction, approach the greeting cast member with your entire party. At least one adult member of your party and the guests who are not riding will be issued a Rider Switch pass by the cast member and asked to wait in a designated area. Now this designated area is usually just wait somewhere, out here, (laughs) it can be anything. And it also frees the people up to actually go do something. So please don't make a little kid just sit there and wait while one parent or grandparent or whomever rides the attraction like if you're waiting for seven dwarves mine train for your rider switch the kids can do the carousel or they can go on the mad tea party on the teacups um it's not limited to just like stay in this waiting area because actually i learned actually from wdw prep school one of my favorite other disney sites that the ride switch entitlement is similar to a fast pass ticket and it can be used any time before the expiration date that's printed on the ticket and it may even be a few days days afterwards so clearly they're not going to expect you to wait in this waiting area for days until you want to use it you can go about your day and do other things okay so this group is party two the second group to ride Um, the other party members we'll call them group one ride the attraction after riding the attraction group one locates group two then group one takes over over supervision of the non-riding children or guests Um, Group two enters and boards the attraction without having to wait in the regular queue a second time. So they're going to give their little tickets to the cast members there and they're going to send them right through essentially what is the fast pass queue. The rider switch entitlement must be validated by a cast member at the time. If the person in group two waited alone with the child, he may bring he or she may bring up to two other guests back to ride. Now I've read that this is actually three so maybe it's three total. I can't verify that because I haven't done this myself. I'm sorry. But you can bring these guests back to the ride to ride the attraction with him or her. Please note only three guests are allowed per ride or switch pass. So maybe that is the total then is three. So some people have used this with with success, by actually having different members of the party make fast passes for different attractions. Let's just say mom and dad, for example. Dad makes three fast passes for three attractions. Mom makes three fast passes for three different ones. Okay, so the whole the the kids and the mom and the dad go up, ask to do ride or switch at the three attractions for dad. Then mom gets to ride with any of the kids who want to ride they can go with, and then they can go and do the same at the three other attractions that mom had the fast passes at. So this is kind of advanced Disney hacking of lines, but I don't see any reason why this wouldn't work. I mean, it theoretically should totally work. So if anyone has experience using Rider Switch, please hop over to the Budget Mouse Facebook group. If you're not a member yet, just ask to join and I'll add you. And let us know your experience with it. I feel like it could be a great way for families with small kids or even older kids, as long as there's one little one who doesn't want to ride the attraction, a great way to see more attractions without waiting in line. The Main Street electrical asked a great question on a blog post at the frugal south about magic bands she wrote we are going to share an on-property two-bedroom villa with another family so charging things back to the room might get a little confusing are the charges itemized on the bill based on which magic band was used so we can sort things out and settle up the day before we leave so I have a two-part answer Jennifer number one yes you can ask at any point for an itemized bill of charges that were made back to your room and it does show which magic band originated the charges so you could go through and break down the charges that way but there's a better way when you're checking in at the desk ask if they can assign two different credit cards to certain magic bands in your party. They are able to do this, and I have personally done this many times, where I was traveling with like my mother-in-law or my dad was on the same reservation, and they were able to assign a different credit card to the magic band of certain person in the party. Then all the charges that went back from that magic band were sent to a separate credit card. Now I've had one time that this did not work, where we attempted to link a different credit card to my mother-in-law's magic band and everything went back to the same room charge anyway, but that's probably one time out of like eight. So all the other times it has worked. So to avoid having to go through that bill in the first place, ask at the front desk if they can link a different credit card to those magic bands that you want separate. So that's it for this week's show. Thanks for listening and if you like the show, please take a second to just rate it in iTunes or if you have more time, send me a review. Even better, you can recommend it to a friend who you think would like the show. You can find me at thebudgetmouse.com or thefrugalsouth.com. I'm on Instagram at thebudgetmouse or if you haven't yet joined our private Facebook group, it's free, just search for thebudgetmouse on Facebook, ask to join and I'll approve you. So thanks again for listening and have a magical day.